up in a kind of a Norman Rockwell family, had an awesome dad and an awesome mom. And I remember that every day when I got through with football practice, 103 degree heat, my dad, who worked at the plant, was out there watching me come in. And that was my model. I was a, a guy that things came easy to me. God gave me the gift to memorize things and to have a passion for things and want to be the best. Well, that ties in perfectly with being a doctor. I got my house in the park cities and I got the car. And one day I walked in and I said, babe, I've showed everybody this car and everybody this house and all I got is the payments. There's got to be more to it than this. And so about 1990, I fell in love with my Savior and, and He was the answer and He was what I was searching for. You know, I've been married for 33 years as well to the best wife ever and she's really smart and wise. We couldn't have kids. We lost a couple of kids. Hunter was adopted. This kid was adorable and people would stop us because he was so cute. I love this kid. I'm infatuated with this kid. Part of my problem. But um, he came into our life. He, he struggled a little bit at school. We made some boundaries and we, we didn't follow them really well. I was really the enabler. I just didn't want another problem. When I'd come home and she'd say we've got a problem with Hunter or this, that and the other, I tended to minimize it. He uh, ended up uh, being an incredible athlete, Olympic caliber athlete, made the stack, state track meet. And in that time the other things that I got caught up in was I was a guy. I wasn't a great athlete. Um, I had a six inch vertical jump. So when he was pouring in 25 points a night, you know how addictive that is. And the fact is, when he wasn't making his grades, what did I do? I went in and saved him. You know, I found some things that, uh, like a bong, to be honest with you, I was lazy and I didn't need another problem. It was just better for me to rationalize. One thing led to another. I told him I'd take away his car if I caught him drinking, and one night uh, I caught him drinking. So what did I do? I, I said, this will kill your mother, so if you do this again, uh, I'm taking your car away. And that just sent him the, the, the wrong possible message. I didn't teach him any responsibility. I had a guy in BSF come up to me one time and, and, and say that he was convicted by the fact that he thought it was important to him the way his son uh, had a relationship with God, but he found himself not asking about it. And it hit me right between the eyes because if I was talking with one of the church elders or maybe one of you guys, the right answer is that I want my son to walk with God. If that was the case, why was it every night I was coming home, I was asking about how the practice went, how his, how his shot felt. And when that guy said it, from that day forward, I can tell you, I don't think I ever asked him about that again. I think I asked him about how his walk with God was, and I, I think it was a little late. So the point is is that Hunter went off from high school and barely graduated. We got him in a school that was really great for uh, ADD because we thought that was the problem. You know, I was getting him all these accommodations and all the while not realizing or he was smoking pot ten times a day during that time. But we let him go off when he was struggling, and he fell off the deep end and went from pot to cocaine, and it was just a disaster. And so he flunked out of school. He had fooled a couple of counselors, said that he didn't have an addiction, but he just needed some counseling. So he went to Kids Across America and at the end of that year had not gotten any better. We uh, had an intervention and my community came alongside of me and I thought it was great. He had admitted a few things, but Todd, Dean, my daughter, my wife, all of them thought it was a disaster. He wasn't being honest and I could feel a pit in my stomach and I just said, these are people I trust. They're unanimous and I was so blind. One thing I would tell you, community's great and you need the accountability, but it takes two to tango. You have absolutely got to decide that you're going to listen to community. you got to put people around you that you trust and if they tell you to do something, you better listen. That's a piece of this puzzle that people don't talk about a lot. So we did an intervention, we set up plans and Hunter broke it. My community came right back in and Todd and Dean took me to Starbucks at Snyder Plaza with Jenny and they said, are you willing to stand over your son's grave? And they meant, are you willing to 
to put him on the street and let God deal with your son. We get confused with what love really is, and, and discipline is the highest form of love. Proverbs 19, 18, 19 says, Discipline your son. In that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. It's very powerful. Discipline is a tool that teaches responsibility. And it says if you rescue a man that's angry, you'll just have to do it again. So you've got to let them suffer the consequences of their action. His blood was on my head if I continued to enable him and not fulfill consequences. And so I took community's advice. And we gave him $87 and told him to hit the bus. And if he got off the bus, we would start him on his rehab. Fortunately, he did. The conversation I had with my son that changed everything was when he, when he threatened suicide. And I said, son, if you commit suicide, if you commit an act and you go to prison for the rest of your life, my, uh, uh, my goal is to glorify God and and so I'm going to grieve you but you're not going to hold me hostage because it's not about you and it's not really about me it's about me serving a God and I've got to model that for you so if you do that it will be terrible and and I'll grieve you but no matter what you do your mom and I are going to survive and we're going to move forward and we're going to serve others for Christ because I've got to answer to my Lord one day and you do too and I'm hoping that I can model that for you that's all I know to do and it took away all the leverage. I think that started the path back. And he's been sober now for four years. He's at my house three days a week. He is just a different man right now. And he's clean and sober. So I want you all to know that. Lessons I've learned. You and your wife have to be on the same page. Your kids, let me tell you the one thing they can do. They can find the weak spot between you and your wife. And they can drive a peg right through it. How many of you guys have ever had a, a birthday party? We were talking about five years old. And you grounded your kid. Or you are punishing him that week. And then one day later or two days later you realize you forgot about the birthday party they're supposed to go on Saturday night and they are saying you're going to ruin it because Hunter's best friends with with Jeff and so you say okay you're grounded except for Saturday this is an opportunity and if you can see it like that you tell your wife man we have got a great opportunity thank you that I've got a birthday party I can hold him back from you want to be making that those boundaries and consequences at five or in middle school but when I had to set the boundaries my son's life was on the line. One of the guys in my community group raised five kids. I was having a conversation with one of the kids one day, and I said, Caleb, I said, what's the deal? All five of you guys are incredible. And he said, Holly Campbell and Don Campbell were on the same page, and they were inseparable. And what they told me consistently was, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to teach you responsibility and to fear God and to be a man of character. And sometimes... Those lessons are going to interfere with us being friends. And I would tell you that that hit me right between the eyes. I think it helps as a dad to say, what is my goal here? My goal here is to raise a child that walks with God and is responsible for his own actions. Proverbs 21:31 says, The horse is made ready for battle, but victory rests with the Lord. So you can take some comfort in that you don't have the outcome, but he tells you not to sit on your hands, and you've, you've got to prepare the plan, and you've got to make the horse ready for battle. You've got to be willing to process these things in community. You've got to say, okay, you've got permission to weigh into my life, but I think you need to say, and even my kids. Another lesson I learned is that there's a difference between love and trust. One of your kids will, will hang, hang you up on this some, and they'll say, well, you don't love me, or, or Hunter, so you don't love me as much as you love Molly. And I go, I absolutely love you as much as Molly. I've never stopped loving you. I love you unconditionally but I don't trust you. You know why? Because you've done things that that my other child hasn't done. And he would say, well, that's not fair. You earn 
the way you're treated. You love them unconditionally the way that my Father in Heaven gave His Son for our our lives shows unconditional love. So I never stopped loving him. Even when he was hell on wheels and our house was in chaos, I loved him immensely. But one of the things I think would take you by surprise is that your child can be an idol. You know, anything that you love more than God uh, is an idol. In Genesis, Abraham is called out of a pretty successful life and God just tells him to go. So he did that and and he took him on that step. But he gave him a promise because he went. He gave him the promise of a son. And it took him till he was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. He waited all that time and all he was waiting on was his son. Have you ever thought about why did God make Abraham go up the mountain and sacrifice his son? He said, I want you to lay your Isaac on the altar. God knew knew the answer here, but Abraham had to be certain that he was going to God for God. He wasn't going to God for God's stuff. And when Abraham laid him on the altar for the first time and the best time, he had his priorities right. When he gave him over, he he freed up everything. Now you can be the parent that God wants you to be, and then you let God be in control. And I think there's a powerful lesson in there because I made Hunter an idol. I didn't understand why God would give me this child after losing two. And why would you put me through this hell and maybe lose this kid? And when I finally was willing to stand over his grave, he started working a miracle in me. If I would have had two kids that went to Harvard and never given me a moment's trouble, I would have had no idea the richness and the blessing I would have had. So whatever you're going through, God is sovereign, he's faithful, and he's working as long as you put him first. The other thing, guys, I want you to know is that it's never too late. I don't care where you are. If you're a terrible leader to this point and you have all the guilt in the world, God loves you. If you look at the story of Josiah, he actually uh, took over after 50 years of the worst of the worst kings and and the idols were set up in the temple. After Manasseh died, Josiah took the throne and he found the word of God and he read it and everything changed. The word of God and, and the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you can change everything. It can change it today. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the wisdom principles that are just pounded at us in that video. And I thank you for Jay, and I thank you for his community, and I thank you for the way, Lord, that you moved in his heart, and you moved in Hunter's heart, and that story, Father, that we just connect with uh, as dads, that we want to see our kids pouring in 30 uh, every night, date the cutest girl, all that kind of stuff, Lord. And it always comes back to our heart with you. So we just ask today, Father, as we talk about how do we release our kids to love and impact, how do we be God's man uh, in our homes with our wives and our kids, Lord, I pray that your spirit would transform us. Father, I pray that you would change us so we may be the dads that you've called us to be. Would you use the rest of our time in here, the rest of our time in small group, Father, to change us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, glad you guys are here. Sorry to hit you kind of right off the bat. Uh, first thing in the morning, we had a 40-minute uh, interview with Jay. And so we've got a great video team. And so, I, I mean, trying to edit that down to uh, 10 minutes was tough. But it just, it just so illustrates what we're trying to talk about uh, in our time together as we think about the weeks of commit and lead and train and initiate and release, kind of all those principles 
are in that video. And I just want to tell you real quick, Jay and his wife, Jenny, they run a ministry here called The Prodigal. And it's not just for those parents whose kids are prodigal. As you continue to grow as a parent and as you have kids and you have questions about parenting, that is an incredible resource for you guys to take advantage of. All the information's on the website and it will help you think through those things. And I just want to reemphasize one of the things that Jay said in that video. And I know there's some older dads in here and you're sitting in here and you're listening to all this stuff and all these young dads have got one and two and three year olds and you're sitting there with 16, 18, 22, 25 year olds thinking I've blown it. And I just want to remind you that it's not too late. I got an email yesterday uh, from a good friend who's an older, uh, her son is older. It's a mom. And I don't know how many moms are listening to these messages each week, but here's what she wrote me. She said, hey, KK, I'm listening to your message. I love how you told these guys that it is never too late. Of course, this applies to moms and dads. I couldn't agree more. Not sure if you remember, but for me, it was last year, just before my 49th birthday. My dad tried daily for the following 12 months to be the dad that he never was to me. So a year before he passed away, he started initiating with his daughter. And talking to her and reestablishing that relationship. And she says in this email, her life sentence is, his life ended well and we were reconciled. Never too late. Guys, so I just want to remind you of that and that God's grace covers a multitude of parenting mistakes. Susan and I had three different meetings this week with parents that came in and just said, my kid's six, seven, or eight, and he's strong-willed, and he's throwing tantrums and all that kind of stuff. And we just got a chance to talk about how they're doing with the Lord, how you're doing in your marriage, or you're on the same page. And then the message we got to tell them, relax. You're doing great. And there are just seasons when your kids don't act like the world wants them to act or you want them to act. Stay the course, stay faithful, and they will return from the way they should, they'll return the way that they should go. Okay. All right. Let's jump into Psalm 78. We're going to run through the homework really quickly. And then we're going to have Dean and Mac jump up with us and, and have a little fun with them. Uh, Psalm 78. One of the things that's really important, what I've tried to do in the class is give you guys passages of Scripture that are kind of core passages around this parenting thing. We talked about Deuteronomy 6. We talked about Proverbs 2. Gave you a bunch of Proverbs on discipline uh, last week. And now Psalm 78 and Psalm 127 are two other core passages of Scripture on parenting. And so what I want to do is I just want to read through this. Um, And we'll just talk about a couple of applications real quick. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power, the wonders He has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them. We have a responsibility to teach the next generation about the wonders of God. Here's what happens. Even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their their children. Here we go. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands... They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. couple of quick thoughts on your homework. 
It's number one. Okay, one, the reason that you tell the stories of God to your kids okay, is so that the next generation will have hope in God. Hope leaks. Okay, If we don't remember the stuff that God has done in our own life and in the scriptures, it leaks. Secondly, that they will know the glorious miracles of God. I want my kids to know that God does amazing things. And lastly, that they'll obey his commands. And then it's clear what it says, what, what, what will happen if we don't tell our kids the stories of God. Okay, That they will be stubborn, rebellious, and unfaithful. Stop right there. When you walk out of the room today, you're going to take a right out of this door, and you're going to take another right going back towards the tower, and you're going to see 540 bags that look just like this. I'm going to make you a hero at your house. Okay, that's my goal. Okay, take Psalm 78 and apply it to your life. Okay, so you're going to pick up one of these bags, okay, and in it... Four things. It's a card to help you do this with your family. It tells you where in the scripture to go read. Tells you exactly what's happening. Okay, and exactly how to do it step by step. Right here. What's in the bag is an empty canning jar with a sharpie in it. Okay. What's also in the bag? Fifteen rocks. Okay, sounds familiar, right? We did this the last couple of weeks around here. Okay, and what I want you to do with your family, and this is going to sound cheesy for the older kids, it's not. Push through the cheese factor, okay, and do it with your family. Okay, and write on these rocks one word, two words, whatever you can fit on the rock about the things that God has done in your life. Or in your family's life. And so Suzanne, who's on my team, she has a jar, a big canning jar for every year. And she's crafty and she's decorated and they're color-coded and everything. And when things get tough, she just dumps them all out on a table and just reminds herself, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And she has them on her mantle, all these jars across. And so when she walks by them, she says, oh my gosh, look at what God has done in my life. Okay? Start this week okay and start collecting jars okay trish and i and the girls we had a little camry had three children trying to get three car seats in the back of a little camry right and we didn't have the money for anything bigger than that we weren't sure what we we're going to do and within a week two people came up to us and said hey we want to give you our suburban two suburbans Okay, I had to tell one, thank you very much, but I don't need it because this was a little newer and got less miles on it. (laughs) Tell your kids the stories of God, Psalm 78 says. This will make you a hero at home, okay? So take advantage, apply Psalm 78. And just so you guys have got um, got your blanks in your form, here's what goes in the blanks, okay? Read God's word to your kids. Like we just talked about, remember and tell the stories of God in your life. And review your own time in God's word with your kids. So I was in the uh, car the other day with the twins and we're in Hosea right now in the journey. And I I asked the girls, what would you think if God asked me to go marry a prostitute? 
You think that didn't start a conversation (laughs) in our car? And we just talked about that. And we just had a fun conversation, laughing, cutting up, and then just talked a little bit about Hosea. That why did God ask him to go marry a prostitute, right? Because it was a picture of what Israel had done to God. And we got a chance to talk about that. But just review that stuff with your kids as you spend time with the Lord. Okay, that's Psalm 78. Tell the stories of God. Real quickly, I want to jump to Psalm 127, 3 through 5. We're not even going to read it because most of you guys know it. But it basically says your kids are like an arrow in the hands of an archer or a warrior. Okay, and so that's the illustrations that God's using is that you have these arrows that you get to send out into the world. You get to release them to love and impact. And so here's what I want to remind you in a very sobering way. Okay, four things. One, it is the one who uses the arrow that determines its greatness or determines its effectiveness. Dad's. We are the primary user of the arrows. That's our job. Secondly, arrows are the responsibility of the warrior while he has them. So a great warrior, a great archer is going to take incredibly good care of that arrow. The point's going to be sharp. The shaft is going to be straight. The feathers are not going to be messed up, crooked, anything like that. They're going to be perfect. And so the archer, the dad is the one who takes care of that arrow. Third, an arrow will go where you aim it. And so we have the responsibility of setting that arrow on the right course. One of the things we've said over these last five weeks is you cannot control your kids. You may be the perfect parent, and your kid may go off the deep end. I talked about this the first week, I think, is I live with this healthy fear that my kids are going to, my girls are going to be pregnant and on drugs in two weeks. Okay. They're one bad decision away from that slide that gets them to that place. We can't control them, but we can aim them the right direction. We can have the right conversations. We can put them in the places where they've got godly friends. They've got a great church. They're in a home that has said, hey, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the last one, once he releases the arrow, it is too late to change its course. So guys, as we finish this week five today, uh, time is short. I don't care if uh, you're pregnant with twins. Right? The clock is ticking. And like John talked about, okay, that clock that's in my brain now that John stuck there, whether I like it or not, okay, is that clock is ticking and time is short. And so I don't do that to put stress or pressure or anxiety on anybody, but just that there's a sense of urgency, even if your kids are in the womb. Right? That we don't have a ton of time and we have this incredibly great responsibility to do this. Okay. All right, let's bring Dean and Mac up if we can. And one of the reasons that, as, as I told you guys, that as I thought about the speakers for this and what we were talking about each week, I just thought about who is it that best exemplifies kind of this whole idea of kind of release, releasing your kids to love and impact. And so uh, Dean and Mac are good friends. They've been around here forever, and they've got um, just a, gr- a great story to tell. So why don't you guys just kind of introduce yourself, tell them what you're doing around here, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. What a kickoff. You've been around here forever. Doesn't that make you feel good? <laughs> um, my name's Dean McFarlane, and um, I, I have the privilege and opportunity to serve here as part of the leadership of the church. And 
And it has been truly one of the greatest blessings of, of my life and the life of my wife, Tawny, and, and our children. Um, let me just say at the beginning, just a quick dis- disclaimer. This is, uh, there's nothing I would rather do than, than be here this morning with my son and the opportunity to encourage you guys. And I hope that happens as a result of how God has worked in and through us and our relationship. Um, we are a work in progress. As those of you who know us, uh, God's not done yet. But by uh, God's grace and the... Um, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, uh, the loving care and correction of community. Um, we are growing as disciples. And the purpose uh, that, that we want to serve this morning is we want to let you know that, that a disciple is a learner. And that's, it's amazing to see you know, five or 600 guys here five weeks in a row at this hour because you want to learn too. And, and, and God honors that commitment, spending time in his word, uh, encouraging one another from the scriptures. So, again, work in progress, and, and uh, we're just we're grateful for the journey that God has taken us on and allows us to maybe come tell our story and encourage a few people. Yeah, tell wife and kids. Dean, uh, married to wife, uh, Tawny. Tawny and I have been uh, married 31 years as of uh, this last August, and uh, we have two children, Mac and uh, now his wife, Sophie, is, we feel, one of our children, and my daughter, Callie, is married to Ryan Nixon. Uh, they both both couples worship here at church, and uh, two of them used to work here. Now one of them uh, works here. <laughs> That's right, Mac. Mac McFarlane, uh, married to Sophie McFarlane, and Sophie was on staff on uh, Kyle's team uh, for about the last four years until uh, two weeks ago. We've got uh, daughter Sloane, who's 18 months and boy on the way so i'm excited about that (laughs) okay all right here's the first question i want to ask you guys is just characterize your relationship mac when you were young so what you remember dean what you remember about those early years would be great yeah big things that stand out for for me uh dad just spent a ton of time uh with both of us with callie and i but ton of time with me and 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 pursuing the things that that i liked a lot of you guys with with uh with kid teenager boys know how like interests evolve so one day it's uh sports and you know baseball cards and the next day for me it was fly fishing and stuff and so dad dad saw that saw things evolve and 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 would would pursue with me what i was interested in just as a way to spend time with me you know we we got to go to colorado a lot during the summers and so uh you know we went on a lot of hikes, did a lot of stuff outside together, just led to a lot of great conversations. So in pursuing time with me, he also um, just asked really great questions. Yeah, I look back at that period of our lives as just an uh, unbelievable blessing. You know, early on, uh, he was definitely a strong-willed child, as was I. And so we certainly had our, our challenges. But we did choose um, to, to join Mac and Callie in the things that they were interested in. And if he got interested in something, even though it wasn't my passion, I, I tried to, to engage there. You know, one of the things that, that I learned early on that I think was really meaningful for me, I read one of Swindoll's many books. He, he said the following. Um, he said, guys, do not expend yourself in the workplace. Save your very best for when you walk in the door in the evening. And that just stuck with me because I always thought, man, I'm out there fighting for my family. I want to make a living. I want to provide for them, which is all great. We know that's what we're supposed to do as, as Christians. But... Don't blow all yourself in the workplace. When you get in that night, be excited, be encouraged, 
be ready to engage with your family because those two or three hours before they go to bed are the time for you to really shepherd and build into them and model a relationship with your, uh, with your life that's going to be attractive to them. Yeah, that's good. Dean, tell these guys just kind of what your ditches were during those early years that Mac may have seen and all that. Yeah, I think those ditches then are the same as they are today. Uh, fear, anger, control, which were all subsets of pride. And, and that is, by God's grace, um, he's continuing to transform me in those areas. But um, I had a three-second fuse. You know, you, you, uh, I don't know if any of you guys suffer from that, but mine goes off regularly. And especially as a young man, I, I, it, when I, because I wanted to control things, there was a certain way I expected Mac to behave. And when he didn't do it, it just really pissed me off. Sorry. Uh, no, you're good. Cut, cut that. No. And, and, uh, I said something a lot worse a couple of weeks okay. ago. <laughs> okay. And so I would ignite almost. And, and this is where my partner, my completer, my, my, um, my wife, Tawny, in life, God gave me exactly the right woman. Because she's, she's so kind. She's so faithful. And she just uh, helped me understand that... You've got to focus on the big things. And I'd get all worked up over the length of his hair. Well, my goodness, he, need, he looks, looks terrible. He can cut his hair. And, and, that, and she'd go, really? He's reading his Bible, man. He's loving his friends. <laughs> and, and so she just said, focus. I mean, Tawny, uh, those of you who are business guys, uh, uh, Jim Collins wrote uh, Built to Last, a book that's kind of a big business book. And I'm, in, I'm into all that stuff. But he had his... You know, mission, he had his core values. Well, my wife, long before Jim Collins ever wrote that book, she called them her unshakable unbreakables. Man, these are the things that we want to be about with our, our children. And so that's what she had me focused on, the really big things. That was a long answer. No, it's great. That is really good. And one of the things we've talked about in these guys is the most important thing that your kids can see is kind of your own transformation in front of them. We've talked about that a lot. Mac, tell us when you saw the biggest transformation in your dad? What period of time was that? What'd that look like? Yeah, so always uh, really throughout growing up saw him working on those things that he just listed off, anger, control, and, and, and fear and stuff. But when I really saw him you know, up his game in that, in that areas was when, or those areas was when he got, when he came to Watermark, when he started throwing with other elders, these guys that came around him and, and challenged him, uh, not only in his faith, but, but in how he lived that out with kids and everybody he interacted with. And you just saw some, some pretty significant uh, change just in, in, in our conversations. When we get frustrated with each other, it wasn't the, you know, I probably realized I couldn't push his buttons as easy and, and get, you know, him elevated and, and frustrated. And he was quicker to chill out and, and, and maintain just a conversation, which made it difficult for me to be a brat and, you know, <laughs> piss him off. <laughs> yeah, talk for a little bit. I'd love to hear from both of you. Um, just talk about the sparring you guys do that was healthy, kind of in the preteen, teen years, and then also just the unhealthy maybe sparring that took place. Just give us a picture of what that was like. I mean, two strong guys, right? Strong-willed kids and strong-willed adults, right? And so tell, me what, tell us what that looked like. Sparring's a nice word, and I, I don't know how much of it's like, uh, helpful. I mean, I, I guess looking back on it, it, it was all helpful. But, I, I mean, we, we'd have it out, you know. And, 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 and like I said, I, as a kid, you, you dads have seen, kids learn, will learn how to push your buttons. And, um, I mean, I'd, I'd do that. I'd, I'd frustrate him when, when 
you know, that's the, as a growing up, that's how I saw to, 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 to react to him, to me being frustrated at something he did. I pushed his buttons. If he said no to something, you know, I, I knew how to, how to get him, uh, frustrated. So I guess that's how I'd say sparring. I don't know. I mean, um, not much of that's healthy, but it's, it's looking at it from the back end. It's easy to see what we learned, I guess. Yeah. yeah I love that Keggs was in, uh, Psalm 78 this morning. Cause one of my favorite scriptures, I can't believe he didn't go to the end. It's uh, Psalm 78, 72. <laughs> and it's that David shepherded them with integrity of heart and with skillful hands. He led them. And so, um, man, I, I tried to learn. I tried to surround myself with wise people. I'd, I'd go to conferences. I knew my junk. I mean, that was going to flare up and be my struggles, my uh, sparring, if you will, with him. Uh, but I, I wanted to grow out of it. I had a desire to model and, and uh, pursue Christ and to follow. I loved the things that Jay said. You know, this idea of I was being increasingly conformed to his image. And you know, there were lots of scriptures during this season of time that were really, really helpful to me. Um, Philippians uh, 3.10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I knew I could not model and shepherd and encourage Mac the way I wanted to unless I really knew Christ. And I just poured myself into God's word. And I hid it in my heart. And so that's what I tried to do. Um, but I also tried to make things fun. That's where the home has to be a place that people can't wait to get home to. And, and kids and parents and creating an environment that even when you do uh, spar in an unhealthy way, you're quick to resolve that. You're quick to ask forgiveness. Fellas, I screwed up so much. But one thing God gave me is a purposeful desire to reconcile quickly. You know, sometimes uh, literally 10 or 20 or 30 seconds after I just spiked and been a complete idiot, I'd come back around and go, man. I am so sorry. That's not who I want to be. And I might spike an hour later and do it again. And I'd go, I want to change. I'm sorry again. Would you forgive me? And so sparring is great. Uh, conflict is great. Don't avoid conflict. Lean into it. It's an opportunity to glorify God, grow yourself, and serve other people. So don't run from it. Lean into it. And he gave, us, he gave both of us a, a heart early on for um, memorizing Scripture. And, and uh, I mean, one of the first verses we memorized was Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of Man who loved me and gave himself for me. So, his, I mean, we, we memorized that verse on a run together. He, he's now taking uh, the, the pursuit of my interests, the pursuit of, of doing stuff with me, and, and weaving Scripture into, into those times together to make it more fruitful. What's interesting is I did not think it was taking hold. I thought I was sharing all these great truths and, you know, um, the, let's go through all the way through the teen years, elementary school, junior high, you know, Tawny and I were just really family life verse, Philippians 2, 3 through 4, um, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, Galatians 2, 20, lots of these, Mark uh, 8, 34, uh, three or four things I'll give you in Mark in a little bit. But, you know, I'd ask him, I'd test him and he goes, ah, I don't remember. You know, and seriously, <laughs> we spent so much time. I don't want to do that right now. And, and what was so amazing, and this is where Kegler said, be patient, relax, okay, trust God, continue to build and shepherd and cast vision, but, but don't do it on your timetable. And I'll never forget, Tawny and I found out he was speaking at an uh, event in, in his high school career. When he was a, I think he was your senior, right, when you graduated in K-Life? Mm-hmm. And he had an opportunity to go before the rest of the, the K-Life kids. And I thought, wow, he's speaking in front of people? Really? 
And, and I shouldn't have been shocked, okay, but I was. And so Tony and I snuck into the kitchen because we wanted to hear this. And we sat in the kitchen and we listened to a young man communicate all the truths of the scriptures that, that frankly, we never really were sure he had. And I was, I mean, we just were back there at a, a, a river. It was just so great to see, hey, it had taken. He was about these things. And he, it was on his timetable. Yeah, it's great. Uh, there's a book back on the table that you guys may have flipped through the last couple of days, but it's called Raising a Modern Day Knight is the name of the book. And so that was significant for, significant for you guys. Talk, both of you talk about that. It would be great. Yeah, the, the big things uh, that I took away from this book were just kind of his four uh, concepts, or it's a challenge to his son, the author, author's son, and um, calls him to reject passivity, accept responsibility, um, pursue righteousness, live, live courageously, or no, live for the greater reward, right? Oh, okay. Uh, live courageously and live for the greater reward. And, and so just, just somehow that book just really uh, resonated with me after, after he read it. I, I, it came at a time when I was um, just seeing the, the, the value of, of going, okay, I've, I've, I've got to learn to accept responsibility for my actions. I've got to learn to um, live for a cause that's bigger than myself. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't read that book, I, I just really encourage you to, right after your God's Word, lean on one of those, just because I think it sets a great framework for us as dads to shepherd and love our, our kids. And, and raising a, a young man in today's environment, we all know is not easy. Um, but accepting responsibility and rejecting passivity, living courageously, and living for a cause larger than yourself, which for the believer is obviously loving and serving Jesus Christ, is everything. So leadership is everything in your home, in your community, at this church. Um, speed of the leader, speed of the team. I have the opportunity to, to um, been shepherded and encouraged and pushed by men who uh, really love me and have my best interest at heart. And it's changed how I parent. It's changed how I, uh, I'm a dad and a husband and a father and a friend. But th- this idea is so important because it all starts back with um, a great commitment to a great commandment and a great commission makes a great dad. If you keep the main things, the main thing, I, I want to love God and I want to serve his people and I want to make disciples. That, if, if that's all you're about, that is fulfilling God's desire for you as a dad and as a husband. And so the opportunity to do that with Mac and, and um, if we have time, we'll talk about kind of the bumps in the road because those are where we grew the most. Yep. Um, as we had lunch a few months ago and we're talking through this, you guys talked about kind of a prodigal window uh, that Matt kind of had, not prodigal for years and years, but would love for you guys to talk about that time period, what that looked like, the details of that, and then kind of how that got worked out. Yeah, in, uh, when, when I went to school, um, started out great, uh, but, but temptations of school, um, alcohol, uh, marijuana, stuff like that, um, became part of my regular, you know, pattern week in, week out. I, I, I wouldn't say addiction, but, um, just, uh, amplified use of those, uh, those things. And, and, uh, w- w- those were, you know, people a lot of times in, in, uh, Regeneration talk about uh, those being not not the root of the problem, but just kind of the the outcome. And those those were the um, 
that, that was the outcome of me pursuing just selfish interest and what and 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 kind of I never I never think I, I don't think that I fully turned my back on God and, and just started running in the opposite direction. I think I just said I'm going to live for me today and and didn't make decisions um, that glorified God. I, I made decisions based on what I wanted to pursue. Yeah, and I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, as a as a dad watching this happen. Um, it was a, a gentle creep from, you know, when he left for college to much is given, much is required. He had a spiritual heritage, not just his mom and I, but others that had, had built into him, people that had surrounded him. The choices he'd made had been great. Um, one of my favorite highlights of all of our life was when we went to Promise Keepers when you were about 13 or 14. Does that sound right? And, and Mac made a commitment to purity at that time. And, and, you know, he stood before his wife on his wedding day and, and committed himself to her and her alone. And, and the fact that he, he did that as a man in this day and age, I just had tremendous respect for. I was so encouraged by that. But th- this whole idea of now he was in this season in, in college where he was making some poor decisions. Thankfully, we had the relationship and a trust built over years of, of, of spending time together and encouraging and sharpening one another where he would tell me what he was doing. He'd go, you know, I had a bad weekend. You know, I, I had too many beers. I'm not asking how many, how many is too many beers? Well, you know how it is. The guys got together, and we just had too many beers. How many beers you had? Well, 13. You know, I, mean, I, don't know if, I don't know if that's the right number. But, you know, you learn to ask more questions, to, to, to sharpen him and you and figure out, hey, how's he doing? So what we just try to say is, hey, that's not who you are in Christ. The, the decision-making is slipping. School is not as important. And so we gave him some warnings, and it came a time where Tony and I really felt like he had lost the privilege. College is a privilege. And investing in the lifestyle that he was choosing we didn't think was wise. Uh, Tony and I were not on the same page at that time. We had to take that to community through a, their counsel. Uh, it became unanimous that this was really a good decision. Tony definitely got on board. And, and we made the very hard decision of, of um, telling Mac that he'd lost the privilege of, of going to college. And, and that uh, prodigal window we talked about, um, you know, it was hard. It was extremely, extremely hard. There was that period of time, that day and moment in time where we said that, and he did not respond well. He responded with the kinds of things that you heard Jay talk about on the video. Extremely hurtful, pushing every button he knew. You and your elder buddies, you're ruining my life. And, and, and so he wasn't, um, he wasn't of a sound mind, honestly. It wasn't the guy we knew and, and, and that we knew loved Christ. And so we were just trying to, to shepherd him back to what we knew God wanted him to be about. And so um, you give your impression of that period of time. Yeah, uh, I'll, I, I'll start after... Um you know, I think I think the the season of my life from the time that they that they said, okay, school's not going to be the best place for you to be right now, and I was like, well, I think it is, but um, I, I, obviously God really showed me through the time after that decision was made, and, and really being one of the most uh, fruitful times spiritually of my life. I read some great books. I read Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life by uh, Packer. I read. Uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, and and just really uh, begin to understand the the impact of discipline. One of the things he taught me th- walking through this kind of post uh, what was the word you used? Pro- sorry, post uh, you know after the prodigal period and, and kind of the, into my time of spiritual growth, uh, my dad just really challenged me to 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 hate sin. You know what what does it mean? What, what is sin? Sin separates us from God. Well. Are you okay with the decisions you're making? Yeah, I kind of am. Well, that doesn't make sense for a fully devoted follower of Christ that you say you are. You know, you, you need to move towards uh, 
a real hatred of this stuff that separates you from God. And that the, the day, I mean, I can tell you the day and place that he told me that and it clicked. And, and, you know, th- does that remove all, all sin from my life? Absolutely not. But, it, but the, the, the understanding of, of God, I've got to hate this. I've got to remove this stuff. It's not, it's not, oh, no big deal. I drank a bunch of beer this weekend with friends. It's, I've set a, a terrible example and need to move as far away from that as I can. Um, so just the, the time after that was, uh, was really fruitful. I've, first uh, Kings two, two, um, was a big verse for me. David's on his deathbed challenging his son Solomon and says, uh, so be strong, uh, show yourself a man and observe what the Lord, your God requires. And, uh, I just love that. I love the simplicity of it. I love it, that it was a father challenging his son. And, um, that kind of summed up my, uh, walk after, after, uh, the prodigal window again. Yep, that's great. Um, we need to move towards wrapping this thing up. So, Dean, I, I would ask you, you've got a shot at 500 dads that are here. What would you tell them, you know, just, you know, have them take away from your time parenting Mac and Callie? And what, what, would, you, what would you leave them with? Yeah, I, I think you have to lead yourself before you can lead your family. And so um, the one thing I consistently tell people is what would you differently? I would have learned more of God's word. I would have absolutely learn more of God's word and it it changes everything about how you respond to circumstances it it reminds you how to yield to the spirit of God at work in you so you can change you can be different Uh, I I would have a plan I would pray I would prepare I would have a plan and then I would execute the plan I'm a big planning guy lots of lots of uh, preparation and planning but you know as much as you do that you're gonna have times of great suffering and difficulty personally professionally I uh, had a great friend lose his job yesterday, and just the way he responded so faithfully, and God's got something better for me. That's what we need to be for our children, for our family and our friends. Keg said it. You've got to provide hope. This can be a hopeless world. This, this, your, your home, um, this church, your community, it, it, there's no plan B. You are it. Uh, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so um, model for your family faithfulness. A passion and a desire to, to love others, to serve him, and, and to make disciples. And that sounds so simple. It's like you guys just keep repeating the same things over and over again. Yes, so did God. And so did Jesus live it out before us. That's great. Hey, Mac, tell these guys just what y'all's relationship is like now. Uh, our, our relationship is great. And I, 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 just to piggyback on, on what his said, uh, what he said, it, it's, it's because of that trust built years ago. And that's, that's hours logged and questions asked. You know, I mean, he, he, he spent time and, and those questions that I shrugged off and, and thought and, and put off the vibe that that's irritating or annoying, um, you know, grew and, and, and answered, you know, began to answer those and see how that's he's, him taking an interest in me. And that's what I'd, you know, encourage you guys to do is just spend those hours, ask those questions, form that that uh, base relationship because then when the stuff at the fan in, in college, you know, I, I went to, to, to who I knew had my best interest at heart. As much as it pains me to go, you know, look like an idiot in front of my dad and, and confess some stuff, that's exactly where I went. And, and there, wasn't, there wasn't anywhere else I was going to go because of the work that he did in formative years, uh, logging hours and asking questions. You know, my best friends today are my community group Mac and Sophie and Ryan and Callie. They, they are who God is using to, to continue to conform me to his image. Mac and I are in business together. 
you, you talk about an opportunity to resolve conflict. Um, work together. And, and it is. It's just great because there's nobody, uh, there's nobody I'd rather be with. He, he is truly one of my best friends. And that wasn't always the case. And, and so to stand up here and say that, and those of you who know us, man, we argue hard. We fight hard. We laugh hard. We're just loud, you know, <laughs> we, but it works, you know, just because we do have each uh, best interest, each other's best interest at heart. Two scriptures just to, to end up with. You've heard them before. I'm going to just repeat them one more time. Second Timothy 2, 2, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable men who will be qualified to teach others. Also, Mac has become a reliable man because Christ put that hope in me that I was able to say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't don't try and be like me. I'm a mess. I, I, I'm a, a work in progress, but look towards Jesus. If there's something in me that's good, thank, thank God and model that. But mostly you want to pursue Christ. And last but not least, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. My dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, for your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And uh, you, you can't get weary. Uh, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Bless you guys. That's great. Dean, would you pray for these guys? And I've got a couple of quick things. It would be great. Father, we do thank you. We thank you that uh, your grace, your mercy uh, pervades our lives because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Thanks for these men and uh, this morning, the reminders that, that Jay gave us about what it means to, to be a man, to address uh, struggles and conflict and, and love your children Lord, like, uh, frankly, like you love our church, Church Universal. Thanks for my relationship with Mac and the blessing mm-hmm. he consistently is in my life. Thanks how he sharpens and encourages me. Um, Lord, spur us on to love and good deeds. Let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. We love you, Father. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Before we go, first of all, I want to say thank you uh, to all of you guys who have made a commitment to be here every morning at 630. But I I want to finish with with the most important thing. We have talked for five weeks about the scriptures and about God's word, how important that is, how important community is. And I just want to tell you, if you're here and you are not a Christ follower, I don't know how you can be a great dad and not be a Christ follower. I am a guy who has fallen from God, separated, deserve death apart from Jesus Christ. And only because of the Holy Spirit that lives in me do I have the energy, power, ability, enablement to love my wife and to love my kids well. Without Christ, I think we can raise moral kids. I think we can raise kids that are well-behaved on the outside. But it's really hard to raise kids where you can't raise kids that have a redeemed heart apart from Christ. So as you hear us talk about what it means to follow Christ, we would love to talk with you about that. Because a lot of the guys in the room, we at Watermark talk all the time about we put our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's where we find life. Nowhere else. All these other things in the world that are driving us away are empty. But walking with Christ is not. So if we can help you either cross the line of faith and have that relationship or help you grow in that relationship, that's what we want to do. In the family ministry area, man, if you're struggling with your kids, that there are things going on, we would love to visit with you about how we can love you. Thank you for five great weeks and have a great time in your small group today.